to receive and give us hands to be about the work and the worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let your word accomplish everything you intend your word to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, let's define deconstruction. Defining deconstruction. The word deconstruction has been used uh, to describe everything from a complete journey into apostasy, either through atheism or agnosticism, to even a rediscovery of authentic biblical faith and a rediscovery of the person of Jesus. So the question is, how can one word have such a broad understanding of meaning? I think it's because many folks understand the term based on the outcome of the process and not the process itself. Now you guys know I'm pretty nuanced in the way I speak and the way I approach topics and ideas. If there is nuance in a conversation, I'm going to try to find it. You used to aggravate my mom so much because she would say, why can't you just give me a yes or no? Well, there's nuance here. We've got to dig through it a little bit. And so I don't like to latch on to extreme arguments if there's place for thoughtful conversation. So I'm going to define Christian deconstruction as the process of dismantling elements and structures that have been attached to biblical faith. Alright? The process of dismantling elements and structures that have been attached to the biblical faith. So my definition this morning that I have given is morally neutral. It is neither good or bad in its definition. Why is that? Well, because there are many things that have been attached to biblical faith that need to be dismantled. And that can be good. Because it can bring us back to a biblical faith in Christ and true good theology. And so for some, deconstruction simply means clearing out unbiblical clutter that's been added to the faith by popular American Christianity. It's a, de it's a deconstruction that leads to a rediscovery of Jesus. But, and here's the danger, oftentimes deconstruction is a complete demolition of the faith and a complete walking away from Jesus and the church. For some folks, it means tearing down their faith completely and rebuilding their life completely apart from a historic biblical faith questioning everything and looking for answers outside of the faith. So it's hard, church, to talk about deconstruction with any clarity without listening to the person talking or without defining the terms of deconstruction. And so I'm not going to define this term deconstruction more than this, other than to say that any deconstruction that's more concerned with cultural acceptance and defining absolute truth outside of Scripture is a dangerous demonic scheme to lead folks to deconversion and it does not lead to a deepening of faith, a deepening in life, or a deepening spiritual experience. Much of the outcomes of one's deconstruction is based on the reason for one's 
questions you may have may be very real and very personal, but listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it or to stand up under it. There is a way through the trial. There is a way through the test. There is a way through the questions. There is a way through the doubt that does not lead away from Jesus, but leads you to trust him more. So many of us, this is important, so many of us think that our questions and our doubts have never been wrestled with before. So many of us think that we're the first person to ever have that question or have that doubt. Or we're the people that we're the first person to ever discover this question in the Bible that we don't think makes sense. And we don't think that there's an answer for it. I promise you that there is no question that you can come up with in the Bible that there hasn't already been a question, an answer that has been wrestled through, prayed through, and sought through. Your doubts and your questions aren't new. They are common to humanity. But God is faithful. Don't abandon faith thinking you are discovering truth. One of my favorite lines from any song is a line from Switchfoot's first album, the last song in their first album. The line says this, Doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. Doubt your doubts, believe your beliefs. Our doubts, listen, our doubts, while a real thing to be wrestled with and sorted through, have to be wrestled with while anchored to something that is constant. Something unmovable, something unshakable, something unchanging. Now my dad used to do remodeling work. There was one house he was working on, and he pulled up the floor and could discover that the floor was rotten. So he pulled up the floor, discovered that the subfloor was rotten. So he pulled up the subfloor, discovered that the trussing was rotten, was broken. So a job that could have taken a couple of days, it could have taken a couple of weeks, because he had to destruct, deconstruct to the very foundation to rebuild. Now here's the danger in much deconstruction. The temptation is to pull up the foundation because the flooring is rotten. Listen, church, our foundation is solid. Our foundation is not rotten. Ephesians chapter 2, 19-22 says this, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. In him the whole building being built together, put together, grows into the holy temple of, in the Lord. In him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Listen, we are part of a solid construction. We are part of a solid construction. 
other things I say. I'll show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against the house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, the river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed and the destruction of that house was great. What you build on matters and Jesus is the solid foundation and his word is secure and trustworthy and we can rest our lives on his promises. He is the cornerstone of our faith. First Peter chapter 2. As you come together, as you come to him, Jesus, that is, a living stone, he was rejected by people, but he was chosen and honored by God. As you come to him, you yourselves then become living stones. You're a spiritual house. You're being built into a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. For it stands in Scripture, see, I lay in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, and this one has become the cornerstone, and a stone to stumble over, and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word, and they were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim his praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hear this. And Jared, I'm going to ask you if you could help my iPad. I have plenty of battery to start, but it started to drain quickly. If you could find the charger and help me get plugged in, I would appreciate it. Listen, church, Jesus is both a cornerstone and a stumbling block. You either build your life on his life and his teaching or you trip over him. Well, you will either survive the storm or you will collapse by the wind. I've said this before, but I want to say it again. In my preaching, in my teaching, in my life, and in my ministry, I don't want to add anything that will cause someone to stumble before they have to get to Jesus. Because they're either going to be built on Jesus or they're going to trip over Jesus. I want, I want Jesus to be the one, not me. I want Jesus to be the one they either build on or trip over. I don't want to put anything, I don't want to put any barrier before they have to choose. I want to live my life in a way that causes them to want to keep seeking Jesus. Now, if they trip over Jesus, that's, between, that's their choice. But they have to choose. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is a cornerstone, and he is a stumbling block. You either build your life on his teaching, and, or you trip over him. 2 Timothy, listen, church. 2 Timothy. Sorry, y'all. 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3, starting verse 16, says this. All scripture is inspired by God and is 
perfected for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is important. We started with Jesus, the foundation. Now we're going to Timothy. Paul's telling us all scripture is inspired by God, is profitable, so that we can be equipped. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says this, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So here in church, our foundation is secure. It is our foundation is Christ Jesus and the revealed authoritative Word of God given to us in the Holy Scripture by the Holy Spirit. So yes, there may be things that need to be constructed, even discarded in your faith, in order to walk down the narrow road. But do not leave the road and build on a different foundation. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him or know him, and he will make your path straight or direct your path. The foundation is secure. The foundation is solid. Things that we may have built upon may need to be torn down so we can get back to the solid foundation of our faith. And here we church, there are devices of deconstruction. There are devices of deconstruction. There are several common themes in many contemporary deconstruction stories. I identified a few of them in a sermon about a year ago church hurt, cultural questions, and Christian hypocrisy. I want to mention them this morning, and I want to add two more to that. Poor teaching and a desire to sin. I want to talk about this for a minute, so if you're taking notes, you want to write these down. The first one are these devices or common themes of the construction stories today. The first one is church hurt. Many folks begin to question the faith because they have been hurt by people in the church. Hurt by pastors, hurt by leaders. So it's important to understand that church hurt is real. It's a real thing. One of the most popular voices of deconstruction, she's pretty popular on TikTok, which should be banned, but that's another discussion time. very popular. And his deconstruction, I would say, came from church hurt. Why? Well, his daddy is John Piper. You don't know who John Piper is. He is one of the most prominent pastors in America. Now, he's not on TikTok. But he is one of the most prominent pastors in America and has one of the 
son completely abandoned the faith. One of his sons completely abandoned the faith, walked away from the faith. Because of church hurt that led to questions, that led to doubts, that led to being away. So it's important to understand that church hurt is real. That there is legitimate church hurt, abuses of power, sexual abuse, ungodly character, those things are real. And when they occur, they can really cause the hurt party and those who have wit witnessed it question their faith, leave the church, maybe even walk away from the faith altogether. It's also important to understand that while there is legitimate church hurt, sometimes we want to call a disagreement or a personality clash church hurt when really we just need to be accountable for our leaders really we just need to serve one another in love and in unity there are biblical concepts that we sometimes don't like so we'll call it church hurt just because we haven't learned how to be humble together church hurt is real is the main reason why folks leave the faith to begin to deconstruct. Secondly, another one of these devices of deconstruction are cultural questions. Many deconstruct because of questions that are specific to our cultural moment. Questions like science and faith, or gender and sexuality, or racial strife, or artificial intelligence. We ask these questions like they're new questions. Well, the specifics may be new, but the foundations are not new. The roots of those questions aren't new. They may be specific to our cultural moment, but they're not new questions, and Scripture answers them all. Because Christian faith has answers. But sometimes folks begin to view their faith and Scripture through the lens of the culture, instead of viewing culture through the lens of the faith and the Scripture, and they begin to seek out answers that haven't been tested, and they think that their questions are new questions that have never been asked in the 2,000 years of church history and Christian faith and tradition. Now, I'm not saying that there are questions. I'm saying that there are good, sufficient, tried and true answers that do not lead away from the faith, but that find their foundation in it. God never pushes us away when we come near to Him with our doubts. He always invites us closer to Himself. He always reveals Himself. He always says, hey, put your hands in, in, in my side. Touch the hole in my hand. If you don't believe, touch the hole. A third reason, a third device of deconstruction is Christian hypocrisy. From listening to the stories, I would say that the recent uptick in deconversion stories has really been accelerated by what is seen as a Christian hypocrisy. And what I mean is this, that especially over the last 10 years, there has been an increasing belief in culture that what Christians want more than the salvation of 
their enemies is power over their enemies. Now, I don't believe that's true of the true church, but there is a Christian hypocrisy seen in America. There is a vocal Christian hypocrisy that demands from others what they won't live up to themselves. The church has preached against sexual sin, while others who claim Christ cover up sexual sin by their leaders. The church has preached against racism, while others who claim Christ embrace racist rhetoric and unjust policies. The church has preached against sinful politicians, while others who claim Christ embrace a political power at all costs mentality, both Republicans and Democrats. This Christian hypocrisy doesn't look like Jesus, and it's evident to the world. And if the world doesn't see Jesus when they see the church, they won't believe in Jesus when the church Christian Christian hypocrisy. Number four, another device of deconstruction that could take you notes you want to write this down is it's poor teaching. Poor teaching. Another reason people de deconstruct in a way that leads them away from Jesus is poor teaching. Many have been taught that science and faith are incompatible. Incompat or that God is a vengeance, an avengeful God who takes pleasure in punishment. Or that God is a misogynist. Or that God is a Republican. Or that God is a Democrat. Some have been taught totally extra-biblical things as if they were foundational to the faith. Some have been taught to major on minors. And so when legitimate questions arise, because those minors, those fringe things, were so directly tied to the faith, when those other things begin to fall or to fail, our faith begins to break down because our faith was tied to all of these things and not to the person and the work and the teachings of Jesus. Maybe this story sounds familiar. It's from chapter 2 of a book called Before You Lose Your Faith, Deconstructing Doubts in the Church. I would encourage you to check it out. It's a really cool book. I may try to share a link to it. Chapter 2, Ian Harbour tells his story. And he says this. I want to read you from, from chapter 2. And I, it's an important story, and I think that you may find it resonates with you or hope that you know. He says this in chapter 2 of this book, Before You Lose Your Faith. Quote, in John 6, Jesus' hard teaching causes a large number of his disciples, his followers, to abandon him. After they leave, Jesus asks his remaining disciples, do you want to go away as well? Verse 67 of John 6. Peter, whom I assume is heartbroken and embarrassed, from seeing so many, he knows, leave the one he calls Lord, speaks up. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. He says, this is my story. I've walked in both shoes, the shoes of those who deserted, and the shoes of Peter who couldn't leave. 
operated as inspired literature. I was taught how doctrines that I assumed were contradictory, like penal substitution and Christus Victor, actually need each other to form the full, beautiful, biblical picture. I learned about union with Christ and the blessings it brings. I learned about spiritual disciplines and the life-giving freedom that flows from the disciplined pursuit of God. From there, the wide and rich world of historic Christian orthodoxy swung open for me to explore. He says, we need more theology, nuance, grace, compassion, and understanding in our churches, not less. But these things are made possible by orthodox doctrine, not in spite of it. Doubt and questions need not catalyze a pendulum swing from belief to unbelief. If worked out in a healthy, thoughtful Christian community and with an abiding connection to Christ, our true mind, John 15, these questions can actually deepen faith and strengthen roots, producing a life where we bear fruit and withstand the fierce winds of a secular now maybe Ian's story resonates with you. The answer to your doubts isn't a demolition of your faith, it's a deep dive into the faith. I'll say it again. The answer to your doubts isn't a demolition of your faith, it's a deep dive into the faith. He would go on to say, parts of your faith probably do need to be deconstructed. Your legitimate questions do need to be addressed. These not need to be steps away from faith, but steps toward a deeper, lasting faith. Don't stuff these questions down and hope they go away. Don't settle for less than the good, true, and beautiful found in Jesus Christ. If you have honest questions, go to Jesus, search out the scriptures, find someone that you trust and that you believe and that you know has wrestled through these questions before. And there may be folks that they can point you, and there are folks that can point you in the right direction to the questions you're asking. So if you have honest questions, go to Jesus because Jesus alone has the words. to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars who 
says, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. And they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. Here it is. Loving the world, giving into demonic influencing, listening to lying teachers, turning from the truth, satisfying their own desires and passions. They walk away because they simply want to sin. Here's the plain truth. Many will deconstruct and walk away from the faith simply because they love the world and the pleasure in the world to be found. They want to sin. The classic DC Psalm says, Things of this world pass away. Here tomorrow, but they're sure not here to stay. It's an echo of John's words to the church in 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lusts is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Scripture tells us that sin is fun for a season. If we did not find any pleasure in sin, we would not be tempted to sin. Maybe you've heard this song, I'm satisfied. 
satisfied in Jesus, satisfied in him. He said he would be my comfort. He said he would be my God, be my guide. He goes on to say, I looked at my hands, my hands didn't move. I looked at my feet and they did too. Ever since that wonderful day, my soul's been satisfied. I'm satisfied. And then the tenor line goes, well, I used to love that song. Satisfied. Finding your satisfaction in Jesus. Because Jesus really is the only one that brings eternal satisfaction. So I would invite you this morning to become part of the house that he is building. As things maybe need to be stripped away so that you can walk the road he's called you to walk. Become part of the house he is building. Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you find on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples the order to tell no one that he was the Messiah. He says, I will build. There is no greater house than the house Jesus is building. We begin this sermon this morning looking at Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He says, For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. The house that he is building is built upon
Holy Spirit.
sometimes we uh, sometimes we think to ask questions is to ask questions of God or to question God, right? But that's not necessarily the truth, right? I mean, multiple times through Scripture, God says things like "test me," right? And I believe that, that when we ask questions of God, we're not necessarily trying to just destroy everything we've been taught, right? And we, I think, I think, Pastor, a lot of people get stuck in that deconstruction thing because they think just to ask questions isn't making you mad, but it's not. 